Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Learning on Mission. And this is Pastor Mitchell, and I'm excited to sit down with Daniel Couch, who is one of two uh, ministry champions for our global ministry partner, the Antioch Partners. And we are here with Andrew and Terry Adair. Uh, the Antioch Partners uh, is an organization that is fruit of collaboration between Frontier Fellowship and the Outreach Foundation. It was birthed to empower ministry, global missions for the church. It got over 60 partners right now, but you all also engage in a lot of capacity building. And today we are going to talk about living on mission. And we're really excited to be with you all. So thank you all for joining us. Glad to be here. It's great to be with you. Uh, so I want to start off with a personal question. Um, First Prez here in San Antonio, we have loved having uh, two of your children uh, come through uh, our, our ministries, our family. Uh, so Matt and Gabby, and we heard something we just need to validate to see if this is true. Okay. Is it true? It has, <laughs> it has not, don't be nervous. Uh, is it true that y'all's family vacations are actually so intense when you're climbing mountains and, and just engaging the wilderness that you've actually made visitors that have come, you know, with your kids cry is so intense. Is that true? <laughs> I am not aware of that. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. Okay. But, all uh, right. As you know, stories do get embellished. Stories so there might be some embellished. embellishment going on there. Okay. All right. Actually, I found, I, I remembered it was Emerson's girlfriend. She was terrified <laughs> and she started crying at the top of this pass that we had to cross over. And she was paralyzed in tears. <laughs> but you probably were Emerson, ahead. Emerson's book? Yes. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, I remember because he was like, come on, push. Yeah, he was us. way ahead. I bring up the rear. He was way ahead. And I do. We, so I thought, oh my gosh, we have made people cry. <laughs> it was us. I don't think it was us. I yeah. hope it wasn't us. I think uh, it was just the fear. Yeah, there of, of that, course, that of course. Yeah. <laughs> we won't say which child we heard this from. <laughs> uh, look, we love that you all laugh. Your family's full of joy, but we really love your intensity to further the kingdom of God uh, and through uh, the Antioch Partners, and we're grateful for y'all's partnership with our church. Uh, real quick, let's just begin with the basics. What does it mean for Christians to really understand the gospel and to respond to God's grace by living incarnationally uh, in all of life? It's a great question, and we're so excited to be exploring this whole arena with you guys. But, you know, fundamentally, the, the call to live incarnationally is the call to follow the model of Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, as we know, Jesus took on human flesh, and we love the way that Eugene Peterson translates John 1 in the message where he said, you know, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus took on human form so that we could know God, we could um, see and experience God's grace and God's truth. And, and in that same way, as those who are followers of Jesus, as sent ones of Jesus, we have the privilege to then represent Jesus, to incarnate the, the love and life of Jesus to those who maybe haven't ever encountered Jesus before. And so it's this incredibly awesome, you know, call to live life in the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. We love as we've been loved. We serve as we've been served. Uh, and to do that with, uh, in the footprints of our Savior, it's a beautiful invitation. In San Antonio, you hear some pastors talk about this, like uh, illustrating it with when you, when you order chili, you get chili con carne, right? Chili with mm. meat. <laughs> uh, but in the gospel to incarnate is to truly have flesh, to have meat on our message, right? To not only proclaim the gospel with our lips, uh, but also to proclaim it with our lives, our loves, and even our labor. But here's the deal. Many Christians do not understand this beautiful invitation that God has given us to participate in his work of redemptive restoration through living incarnationally. Uh, that's not in the workplace, not at school, in their neighborhoods. Uh, what? Why do you think that is, that Christians don't normally see those areas of their life uh, as places to participate in God's mission and to live incarnationally? Well, we, you know, it, it, it pains us to admit this, but I, I, both Terry and I have experienced this and believe it's true that one of the challenges is what people learn in some churches they're a part of, where, you know, there's this dichotomy that's held up between the, the sacred and the secular. And, and even when people talk about ministries, um, often the ministries that are held up are ministries inside the church, you know, teaching Sunday school, serving on a committee. Um, you know, all that is so important, um, but, you know, what, what's often, you know, lost in that is that God calls each one of us to glorify Christ in all that we do. So, and, so it's a lot of what they learn in church. So you're trying to blame this on me as a teacher. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor too. I'm a pastor <laughs> too, Mitchell. So it, it, it's on all of us. Yeah. And, you know, and I think even the language we often use of like, if someone's being called into full-time Christian ministry, mm. what does that mean? Mm. Typically, it means somebody's going to go to seminary and is going to serve in a vocational role in the church and praise God for that, you know, 1% that God calls in that arena. Mm. But what we're so passionate about is the 99% that mm. aren't called to serve vocationally in the church, but are called to glorify Christ in all they do. And so, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's just so many dynamics of this, but like you guys, we're passionate to see, you know, everybody understand that this call to live on mission with God is an adventure that God calls all of us to. And, and I think one other thing for me is that sense, and this is me personally, um, is I, I feel like being on mission with God means I have to um, be an evangelist, you mm. know, be out on the street corner yeah. or Everyone I encounter at work by the water fountain, I need to tell them about Jesus. And that was super intimidating to me. That's not my personality that, you know, I kind of shied away from that. And I, I felt a little guilty about that. And so Terry, you don't, you didn't just stand by the water cooler and say, let me tell you about the living water, Jesus Christ. It's more, it's more than that. It is more than that. And I think, um, the beauty is God has created each one of us with different gifts, different abilities, puts us in different places of work and mm -hmm. life and mm -hmm. neighborhoods. And what he wants is us to walk with him, mm -hmm. live life with him, listen to what our neighbors are saying, what they care about, what's their, their what's hurts, on their hearts. Their and then as we listen and come alongside them and live life with them, 
that gives us then the opportunity to share what God's done in our life. And I think that freed me up. I felt like I had to have this canned message about mm-hmm. Jesus, my savior. Um, and it just wasn't me. And, and learning as I've gotten older and, and hopefully maturing in Christ, I'm not sure, but I hope it's, <laughs> it's, I've been more relaxed about it's, it's what God has created me for is just to testify to what he has done in my life. And, um, but it's only after listening and walking alongside my neighbors and um, being available to them or my workplace partners, then it, uh, you know, I feel like then God gives me opportunities to share um, mm-hmm. about him. Mm. Uh, that's beautiful and uh, inspirational. It just reminds me um, of you know, a couple of things. One thing I read uh, once that Jesus uh, didn't just have a message. He actually mm-hmm. was the message. And Don Everett's puts it really well uh, in his book, Jesus with Dirty Feet. I mean, he says that, uh, you know, Jesus never once called anybody to be a Christian, right? He just lived the message in, uh, with his life uh, to the point of death so that we could um, know his grace and follow him. But the second thing it reminds me of is from Colossians 1 and, and 2 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about uh, Jesus, the work of the cross is actually reconciling all things to himself. Mm-hmm. And then Paul gives us this identity uh, in as new creations in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ministers of reconciliation. And so we have an active participation in that mm-hmm. uh, great mm-hmm. cosmic work of the cross. And so I love the way you articulated that, Terry. Uh, what it, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, just this understanding that we have as Christians as uh, uh, operating with a secular sacred divide. Can you unpack that a little bit in regards to this question? Yeah, well, I, and I do think that that's, that's an example of an obstacle, why more people don't understand our call to, to live on mission with God is, you know, you know, sacred is the the, the holy spaces, the sacred spaces. And typically for, for many people, what that means is the church and in the, you know, in the walls of the church, that's the sacred holy space. Everything outside of that is, is often, you know, consciously or unconsciously considered secular. It's, it's not sacred. And, and often what people then conclude is that their, their, their Monday through Friday lives, mm-hmm. where they spend most of their time is in this sacred, I mean, not in the, in the sec- secular arena, and they don't make the connection that from a biblical standpoint, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, we know that God's kingdom encompasses all, and Jesus came to redeem all of creation, mm-hmm. and there's no part of creation or of our lives that, that Jesus intends to be somehow separated from the authority and the rule and reign of his kingdom, and so I think when we begin to have a more kingdom perspective on reality in our lives. And we begin to see that, wow, where I spend most of my time, which is, you know, at work, at, at home, those are the spaces where God wants me to, to bring glory to him as I reveal his glory to others. That's great. Now, Danielle, you haven't jumped in yet, but I'm going to throw one at you. Uh, and, and Andrew, your words remind me of uh, something Andrew Kuyper said, and it's recorded in his book, Lectures on Calvinism. But he says, there is not one square inch where Jesus Christ does not say, this is mine. So there is no secular and sacred. It is all sacred. And the reality of the fall doesn't split us um, categorically and chronologically in our time, but it actually comes down through our hearts. We need to be redeemed and then 
redeem uh, all that God puts before us everywhere. And, and we can see our work as worship in that way. But Danielle, uh, from your perspective, as a young adult, you're new uh, in, in full-time workforce since college in the past few years, tell us uh, some things that you hear that are difficult for people to understand that reality uh, from just folks you're rubbing shoulders with. Yeah, I mean, as a young adult, I think, you know, you're, you're especially in the business world, are trying to figure out how to do well at your job, how to get promoted. And there's kind of this mindset of you always have to be doing what's next and, and moving up. And so I think in that your focus is almost on your work. And I think we miss, um, you know, Mrs. Adair, what I loved is you said the word available. I think we forget to be available to those around us Mm. and to just be willing to be present, knowing that the Holy Spirit's already moving through Mm -hmm. us and in that space. And so I think that, you know, I think that's a thought of, this interesting concept of how do you work as a business professional who is trying to do well at their job and, and work is a form of worship, but then also focus on those around you. And so some, some sort of that, it's kind of like a, a mindset. Yeah. No, that's great. Good news is that uh, everybody I walk with grows out of that tension. And when they get older, they totally understand it. Just kidding. (laughs) Not at all. It's actually intensifies because as Andrew's already mentioned, we have not uh, unpacked the glory of God's call for our life um, in serving him in all of life. And so uh, Adairs, what what would you all add to that is just what are common disqualifications or hurdles that you hear for people who see this vocational call to uh, steward their workplace uh, for works of ministry that Christ has prepared for us? Yeah, um, for me, uh, again, personally, it was feeling inadequate that I wouldn't know the answers. If somebody asked me something, you know, I would need to go to my pastor and ask him. And I've been to <laughs> seminary, so I, I'm just qualifying that. Um, but yeah. that fear of not knowing the answer. And uh, again, as I've um, gotten older and just had more life experience, I just feel like that's not the point. I don't need to know the answer. I, you know, and that's not going to be any slight on who Jesus is. Mm. It's just an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not really sure about that. Why don't we explore that together? Let's, Mm. you know, let's explore that together. Let's have another conversation about that. And so I've learned that what I felt like was needing to know all the answers. And so I didn't want to say anything because I was totally not qualified. I just realized that again, was just a lie from Satan. You know, I, I just needed to be present and um, listen and hopefully then continue conversations when I didn't know the answer. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of vulnerability in that. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of faith, trusting, trusting the Lord and the spirit as Danielle mentioned, Andrew, what would, what would you add just for, for hurdles or obstacles of people that you have encountered uh, living yeah, I mean, I think that's not, you know, not feeling adequate, whether it's, I don't know the Bible well enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I still have questions about myself. my faith <laughs> myself, you know, how, how <laughs> can I engage with others about their questions. And, right, right. and I think that's where this, this understanding is so crucial that, you know, God invites us to be a part, Danielle, what you already said, God invites us to be a part of what God's already doing. Mm-hmm. This is God's mm-hmm. mission. It, it's not ours. And, um, you know, God's going to accomplish his purposes with or without us. The reality is if, if, if we aren't willing to say yes to God's call, we're the ones that are going to miss out. It, you know, so, but I think there's freedom in that, that we mm. don't have to somehow think, oh gosh, it's all about our 
ability or being well equipped. It's no, it's just, it's fun comes down to our availability. And are we willing to allow the Holy spirit to work in and through us right where we are as broken people that God wants to use for, for his glory. I love that. And that's just a real security and a clear message of scripture that God is sovereign. And when, when Paul talks about Christians who are saved by grace through faith, uh, and he then goes on in Ephesians 2.10 to say to participate in works that Jesus has prepared in advance for us to do. Like truly, Jesus is the great evangelist. We're following him. Uh, we have the opportunity to know his love and show uh, his love and all we do. Can you wow us invitationally and share some stories, uh, inspire us where you have seen um, God at work in the workplace? Yeah, well, there, there's so many examples. And in spite of the challenges, you know, we have the privilege of seeing God at work. Um, do you want to share the story of Belong or you want me to? Well, so go start with the other. Yeah, one. well, so it, it's, it's so cool to see how God um, touches people and, and invites them mm -hmm. to, you know, participate in his kingdom in specific ways. And like, one example for me, there, there's a company that started in Atlanta. It's called Amplio Recruiting. And you could you know, go to their website and learn. But it, the, the, the founder and CEO is a guy named Chris Chancey. He went to, to Denver Seminary and then discerned that God wasn't calling him to be a pastor, that actually God was calling him to represent Jesus in the, the marketplace and the, mm -hmm. the sphere. And one of the, the real burdens that God had put on both his and his wife's hearts was the, the needs of refugees, mm. you know, refugees mm. that, that come to the U.S. And, 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 you know, for example, here in Houston, there's huge numbers of, of refugees. But one of the challenges for these refugees um, after they go through this six month, you know, initial resettlement time is, is getting good jobs that can mm. provide for their families. And, and so, you know, Chris had the vision of, well, what about starting a staffing company that could focus on connecting refugees who need jobs with companies that are looking for good, reliable, stable employees? And so Amplio was born. And there's, there's, there's very much a kingdom vision behind this. But, you know, a, a, as a pastor, I could talk about, oh, this is such a critical need. But I didn't have the skills to do something like right, that, but right. Chris did. Praise God that he said yes to God's call. And that company has been birthed and it's, it's grown. They have an office here in Houston now. Um, and it's just beautiful to see how God is using that to, to really flesh out the love and grace and truth of God in this concrete way. Oh, that is phenomenal. How old is that company? Just out of curiosity. I think it's like seven years old now. So it's viable. Um, it's profitable. Yeah, it's, viable. It's, it's viable. It's growing. Yeah. And, 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 and that's an example, obviously here in the United States. Um, also love to share some examples of, you know, companies and people and other parts of the world, but. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I love that. I love the imagery used. Like someone goes to seminary. I'm not called to be a pastor, but all of us are called according to Peter uh, and, you know, back in Exodus 19, we're called to participate in the priesthood of believers, right? So we mediate the blessings of God to the entire world. So not a pastor, but celebrating his role as part of the priesthood of believers, and he's mediating those blessings 
through his work. Uh, that is fantastic. Um, yeah, Terry, do you have a story you want to share? Yeah, so the Belong Kitchen is what Andrew was referring to. And um, this was a, it's a cafe that was started by a mom who had a daughter who was graduating from high school and her daughter had special needs, developmental disabilities. And she wanted to create a place where her daughter had meaningful work, mm-hmm. purpose, had community, um, and could use the skills that she had. And so out of their kitchen, they started this business of uh, providing takeout food and it ended up starting during COVID. So the neighbors would know, you know, the neighbors knew that they were making these preset meals and they could come by and buy them, but all the meals were prepared and sold by these young adults who had developmental disabilities. And they now have a, a restaurant and they employ a ton of young adults who you know have graduated from high school and now have meaningful work and community in a meaningful way. And so these are, I mean, it's just a beautiful example of, again, a need that a mom saw for her own daughter, but that exploded into a business and an opportunity for other young adults with um, similar challenges to have meaningful work. That's beautiful. And her passion in this is demonstrating, you know, the love and grace of God. And it's just, it's a beautiful example. That is a beautiful, and it's called the Belong Cafe. It's called Belong Kitchen. It's in Houston. Belong and Kitchen. I think it'll probably yeah, it might spread be as other expanding to San Antonio. Yeah. So. Well, if they're smart, they will. This is the greatest city in Texas. No <laughs> offense to Houston. But that is an amazing picture of uh, ways that people can use business's mission. In our congregation, we have several different uh, uh, restaurants where uh, they will hire one. One restaurant group will, will hire people who are uh, aged out of the foster care um, and to give them employment opportunities. And that's part of, uh, we, we try to fuel that with part of our foster and adopt ministry, uh, our love initiative. But then we have somebody else who has a lot of staffing spots for their restaurants and they really try to work with um, under-resourced uh, people in their communities. Mm-hmm. And, and we have another guy who owns a, a candy shop and he calls his business his church. And he, uh-huh. he, he disciples all the people that work there and he develops them in, as holistic uh, men and women of faith. Uh, and he really deploys them back into the kingdom. So to have that missionary mentality here is an invitation for all of us. And there are so many different ways to do it. But, you know, the Antioch partners, you guys focus on reaching people who don't know Christ all over the globe. And a lot of people don't understand how business can actually be mission uh, globally, even even helping you get into places where otherwise Christians can't get into. And that is something the church has got to think more critically about stewarding our business acumen, our resources, our experiences to empower the global church to reach unreached peoples. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and I mean you 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 frame that so well, Mitchell. And and one of the things that that we're really you know so passionate about is that you know when you think about the churches that we're connected with, whether that's FPC San Antonio or we're involved with Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church here in Houston or so many other churches, one of I really do believe one of the most incredible resources that God has given to each of these churches. Are business people 
business people with this, the, the expertise and the experience that has been developed, you know, in the context of the marketplace. And the reality is those business skills have incredible strategic potential in God's hands. Mm. And specifically, when you think about places around the world where you can't get a religious worker's visa to go, um, that's just not possible, whether those are in Muslim-majority countries or, or um, Hindu-majority countries. But the doors are wide open for business people. And, it, in, and it's so exciting to see you know, examples of people that have those business skills and begin to get a vision for what God's doing in the world and how God might be able to use them. And so I'll just tell the story of, of one couple. Um, I'll call them John and Susie. It's not their real names. Um, but uh, John had had been the, the CFO of, of several companies. He then worked on the venture capital side. And um, John started getting a vision for this businesses mission movement, how God is using mm. these businesses for incredible impact in places around the world where there's few Christians and few churches. And so John learned about this company in Asia um, that had, uh, had I think it was in like seventh or eighth year of the company's existence. And it was starting to just really kind of take off from a growth standpoint. And this company was looking for a CFO and they figured that, gosh, probably the best we're going to be able to do is, you know, find a, a young person with a couple of years experience, but no one else would be crazy enough to come join us here in this part of Asia. Um, when they saw John's resume, they were blown away. They were like, wow, you know, <laughs> Would this kind of person, and our churches are filled with these kind of people, mm-hmm. would this kind of person be willing to come and come yeah, alongside yeah. us? And and as, as John and Susie prayed about it, they believed, yes, this is what God was calling them to do. And so they relocated. They they moved to this part of the world, and, and John and Susie would be the first to tell you, if you had asked them five years before, mm-hmm. was there even a chance that we would be in this, you know, very different part of the world in in Asia, working alongside a company that's committed to the expansion of God's kingdom. And they would have said, uh, very unlikely, but obviously God had a different plan. And it was so beautiful the way God used them. Because for example, um, in this this city where they were, uh, prostitution is a huge issue. Well, the company was strategic in terms of saying, okay, we wanna come alongside, in most cases, women, who want to leave prostitution, well, what's a crucial, mm-hmm. you know, essential step for that to happen? There needs to be other ways for them to jobs. get jobs. And so they partnered with organizations that were working with women that were wanting to, to transition. And, and these were organizations that were also, also faith-based and were coming alongside the woman, these women and introducing them to Jesus, beginning to disciple. And so this company was able to hire some of these women but then also as, as, as their, their company grew, um, there was actually the, the, the director of a deaf school in this city heard about this company, heard that there was something different about it, didn't quite understand it all, but w- this director was finding just a lot of frustration, not being able to find places where people were willing to take the risk of, of hiring graduates from his school. So approached the leaders of this company and said, you know, would you be willing to, to hire some of our graduates? And, and they started praying and felt like God was saying, yes, this is what I want you to do. So they hired some of the graduates from this deaf school, the, the people in the company 
were so impressed with the work ethic of, of these staff. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of them started learning how to sign. And, and, and then other companies in that industry in this city saw how impressive these deaf staff people were, and they started hiring some of them away. And so in the context of this business, the, the kingdom of God was demonstrated in very practical ways. Amen. People met Jesus through the witness of some of the employees that were followers of Jesus. And then God's care and concern for you know marginalized people was just put front and center. And, and just what a powerful example of the skills that God like is giving you, Daniel, that you know you could come alongside a company and 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 serve and assist in ways that I never could. That's truly inspirational. And, you know, Luther described uh, our vocation as ministry in is wearing a mask of God, that the character of God is displayed uh, through our life and our love in those stories you told. I mean, God's character, his love for the marginalized, his character, the way he restores dignity and renews purpose. Uh, that is, those are beautiful stories, uh, inspiring to me. Danielle, do you have any comments on them? I just love, I think it goes back to the previous points of this discussion around being present and being aware of people's needs and then being available to display that character of God. So I think it's, it's a really beautiful way to just be present in what God's doing. And may the Lord stir people's hearts, even who's listening to this, to raise their hand and say, I'm available to steward all my life and my business uh, experience to reach unreached people around the world. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Uh, and I, I want to unpack those stories and hear another if you have it. But can you can you get down into the nitty gritty? Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're in a closed country and you are... Um, uh, operating under a business visa, uh, you cannot be just uh, talking about the gospel everywhere you go. You've got to be living it. So how does this business as mission actually further God's mission um, outside of the obvious of just restoring dignity, offer, offering employment, breaking cycles of poverty, uh, making an economy that's more valuable than trading people or sex? Um, those are huge. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But can you unpack how it really, uh, really then enhances the ministry in the church over there as well? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll, I, I mean, in terms of this business as mission movement, one of the things that's so exciting for me um, is that this is truly a global movement. Mm. And when I look at what God is doing in the world today, one of this, you know, strategies that I'm most excited about is this, is this BAM movement. Right. And and BAM, BAM is short for uh, business, business as mission, mission right? Yeah, so, some people are thanks. big comic fans and they'll have like R- Batman and Robin. Yeah, and <laughs> no, BAM! No, no. Yeah, it's no, just no. business yeah. as mission, right? Yeah. yeah. And the way it's, it's often described is that these companies have a fourfold bottom line. Mm-hmm. One, it's an, eco- it's an economic bottom line. These are viable, sustainable for-profit businesses. Mm. These aren't pseudo businesses that are just set up so someone can get a visa and do, you know, real ministry. Um, No, these are viable, sustainable for-profit companies that create jobs, they generate a profit, but they give people uh, an opportunity to have a credible presence, you know, in, in a community like this. But then they also have a spiritual bottom line. These are companies that are 
committed to, to kingdom goals and objectives. Mm. They want to see people encounter Jesus. Mm. Um, they want to see lives transformed, but they're doing that with integrity in the context of, you know, they're, they're there as business people and they're doing business. But then the, the, the third aspect of this bottom line is there's a social bottom line. Mm. They, they are committed to being agents of social transformation in the context where they serve. That's right. Like that company in Asia that was identifying marginalized communities and being intentional about serving them. But then fourthly, these are companies that are committed to an environmental bottom line. They're, they're, de- they're committed to operating in a way that demonstrates God's care for all creation in many mm-hmm. parts of the world. That's a radical witness yeah. just mm-hmm. in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, these, these are real companies. And, and what these companies need is, is real business people that are willing to come alongside and, and work in them. And then there's tremendous opportunities for, for startups in, mm. in this business's mission space. But what we need are business people that have the entrepreneurial skills mm. to be able to accomplish that. And, you know, for me, it underscores a basic biblical principle. Because when I talk to my business friends, they all say, wow, what you're talking about is incredibly risky. You know, starting a business here in the United States is difficult enough. If you're talking about starting a business in Central Asia or South Asia or, you know, you know, the Middle East, that's incredibly risky. And, and our response is, you know, it's so clear in scripture, obeying God is never risk-free. Mm, mm. Yeah. No matter where you are. Right. And, and there's glory in that, but where, where God gives vision, he will give provision, right? That's yeah. what we hear. Uh, he'll provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry, you want to add anything to that? Just unpacking of what the, uh, that aspect of BAM I, I think the one thing that I'm just so passionate about is I hope people see the correlation of, of BAM, a business's mission, um, as a global phenomenon, but they also see how that applies to them here in their context in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because these folks are no different than, than you and I here in the U.S. They're just doing their work and what right. they've been gifted to do in another context. So that same invitation to do BAM in, in um, other parts of the globe is the invitation that we have here in the U.S. So that's the uh, you, you, you bridge our next segment perfectly, but I got to ask you this. Let's talk shop real quick. Uh, welcome to Shop Talk, everybody. <laughs> this is just one quick. I was at this church planning conference last week. We were with some, uh, some different network leaders talking about um, seeing America as a mission field for church planting. And one of the stats, tell me if this is true, um, if y'all have heard this as well, is that uh, in ranking unreached people groups countrywide in the world, uh, but the United States now ranks third among of unreached mm. people group populations. And that is just beginning to factor in Generation Z, which is uh, which is the really the first blank slate spiritually. It's the, completely unchurched demographic. Uh, does that jive with what you all have heard in regards to the United States as a mission field? That, that would be higher than what I've heard, but I, I certainly agree with the, the premise that there's an incredible missional challenge right here in the United States. Well played. You know, one of the things that we, you know, emphasize in terms of, you know, uh, like context, like the 1040 window, that right. area 10 degrees latitude north to 40 degrees latitude north, basically stretching from longitude. No, no, latitude. Latitude. 
um, stretching from you know West Africa to, to East mm-hmm. Asia. And one of the challenges there is so many people, whether Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu, Hindu don't have access to the mm-hmm. gospel. They don't live in proximity right. to any Christians or churches. And I think one of the realities here in the United States, there's still a lot of churches. There's certainly a lot of Christians. So there's more accessibility to the gospel. Right. But I certainly agree. There's a tremendous missional challenge right here. And there's an incredible invitation. I believe that God wants to his people for us to live missionally right here where we are. And whether it's Gen Z or others, we've got to be willing to 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 cross those barriers and boundaries for the well, sake of the gospel. Y'all's, y'all's expertise and experience uh, is wisdom that I wanted to glean from. So we'll, we'll, we're back now from that talk shop and, and you bridged us back well. Uh, what, what are some practical steps that we can be encouraged in as we seek to be more faithful in stewarding our gifts for this kind of participation uh, in God's global mission where God has put us? I mean, we are still on God's globe, and we are a part of the nations. So what does it look like for us practically, do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there's books that people can read. One of um, one favorite of Andrew and mine is Houston. Well, I'm sorry. It's, um, yeah, Houston. Well, that's the organization. Yeah, Houston so this Houston. is some of the books like Across yeah. the Street and Around the World. Um, Across but, the Street and Around the World? Right. Yeah, across the street and around the world, following Jesus to the nations in your neighborhood and beyond. It's a great book by Jeannie Marie. You can get it on Amazon, and um, it's 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 a great example of the kind of you know valuable resources that are out there that mm. Terry's talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if in your city there's refugees, um, like Houston Welcome to Refugees organization, you can go volunteer. Um, all, most of those volunteer opportunities are short term. You're welcoming a family until they get settled. So it might just be a six month mm-hmm. um, uh, commitment. So it's not like you're you know, having to sign on the dotted line for a long term commitment. But I think you're just drawn into that um, for sure. And I think that's all coming out of kind of the, the perspective of, I think, you know, a crucial starting point is just learn about what God is doing in the world, including right in your own community. Um, and that starts with listening. And that includes the, the community at your workplace. You know, commit to a time of just listening prayer of, you know, every day at the beginning of your workplace. God, help me to, to, to listen to what you're doing in the lives or wanting to do in the lives of people around me. And, and then in your community, listen to what God is doing and try to discern what God is doing. Oh, that's a, that's a practical stuff that all of us can do, right? I mean, we can definitely just kind of do some, some covert prayer walks, uh, mm-hmm. praying for our coworkers, uh, praying for uh, the, the people that supervise us or, or run the company, uh, and then just look for where God's working. I, I, that's a, that's a beautiful invitation that I think all of us have access to any other practical things. If you were, let me rephrase this. If you're speaking to people that um, are maybe Matthew's age, maybe a little, uh, a little bit older, uh, what are ways that you really want to challenge them to see their life uh, and their labor as part of God's mission where he's put them? Mm -hmm. Well, um, one would be short-term mission trips that your church might be doing. Take your vacation time one year to go on a short-term mission trip. I think you'll be transformed by that experience. 
and hopefully come back uh, and, and be able to um, implement some of the things that you've learned and, and be more aware of what God's doing in the world. Um, another thing is a course called Perspectives on the mm-hmm. World Christian Movement. Mm-hmm. And it's a 15-week course. And it takes you from Genesis to Revelation on God's heart, um, redemptive heart for the world. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's almost like a seminary course. There's a lot of readings, but it's always great stuff. And so if you had uh, perspectives in your community, uh, one of the churches in your area, I would mm-hmm. really highly recommend perspectives. Um, so that's a huge piece, just educating ourselves uh, mm-hmm. experientially going on a trip. And no, we did not pay Terry uh, mm-hmm. as product placement to get people to sign up. Uh, but the other <laughs> is just engaging great uh, material. Danielle, you took the perspectives class when we hosted it here for San Antonio at our church. Uh, would you give an endorsement to that? Most definitely. And I think also, I mean, you have access to all types of stories and all types of ways that God is moving and has moved. And so I think it really challenges you to kind of see God outside of the box that we tend to put him in, kind of like the language that we learn at church. So it, it really challenges that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. But I was just going to say to that point, Danielle, you know, the news we see on television and hear or read in the newspaper or online. It's just, there's nothing about what God's doing in the world. And God is doing so much in the world. Just take Iran alone. Mm. You know, just the explosion of the house churches in Iran are mind boggling. It's something we don't ever hear about here in the U.S. And so I do kind of want to put this on our church leaders. Get these words out. God is at work in amazing ways. And people, uh, those of us sitting in the pews, don't always get to hear those stories so how can we hear those stories if we're not being, you know, fed them by our, right. our leaders in the church? So. so exposed experiences, education, uh, those are very practical things. Andrew, you're, you're getting ready to say something else. No, what would you I, I was going to, um, there was a man named Ralph Winter, um, mm-hmm. who was a key thought leader in the, the world Christian movement. Um, he served as a missionary and then was a mission mobilizer and started the U.S. Center for World Mission and and one of the of many Ralph Winter phrases. But he used to say, "God can't lead you on the basis of information that you don't have." Mm-hmm. And I think through things like perspectives, through you know, <laughs> reading um, you know books like there's a, a great book on what God's doing in the Muslim world called a wind in the house of Islam. Mm, and it great. can give you a whole different perspective on what God's doing. And when we begin to have a more accurate understanding of how the spirit of God is at work, mm-hmm. it enables us to then, wow, God, maybe you're calling me to be a part of what you're doing here in this context. And, and because we're, we're become aware of what God's doing in some of these contexts. Well, and not only that, it just shows you how big God is, yep. right? If you're like me, God gets smaller and smaller and smaller when I'm looking at myself and my own work and my own community. But when I, my eyes are open to what he's doing in the world, it, it's just, it's mind blowing. And, and it's, it helps me worship God in a way of, oh my gosh, you are the, you know, the beginning and the end, you are all the things that scripture says you are, you, mm. you know, so I, and, and if he, great, so. if he's opening the door in closed countries, then mm-hmm. possibly 
he can open a door through where we're spending most of our time at work. If he's softening the hearts and converting uh, people that have never heard the name of Jesus or Muslims or Hindus or other uh, religious uh, affiliated people around the world, converting them to Christ, uh, then maybe he might soften hearts. He mm. might bring people to faith in our own workplace. Uh, mm. That I love that Terry just being inspired because how what what an indictment is that that we don't think God is big enough to work at our workplace, right? Mm. Oh, he's just too busy with all the the war in Ukraine. He's not gonna he's not gonna care what what's going on here. But in fact, he does, and mm. he is working, and he has works that are prepared in advance for us to participate in, if only we'd be available and to trust him. Those are great closing challenges. Uh, I know Danielle has a final word in a closing prayer for us. Danielle, what is this word of wisdom, this final word that, that we have been waiting for from you? Um, what are you really afraid of at the end of the day to keep from being available at work to, to talk about how God has moved in your life? Are you afraid to lose your job? This is the God who, who led the Israelites in, into the wilderness and made bread fall from the sky. You know, and, and takes care of the birds and and they don't even stock up food. What are you afraid of? Is what I would say. And and what's keeping you from being available um, both here and, and globally and to God even. Um, so I guess I'll let that be an additional challenge to the mm -hmm. challenges we've already received on this call and uh, let that lead us into prayer. God, thank you uh, that you are God. Thank you, God, for how you're moving today, for, for all the stories in the Bible, God, that we've seen of your miraculous works that we get to bring into our day. In the face of any challenges or fears, God, we get to see that um, you raise armies up from the dead, you split seas, and um, you make bread fall from the sky, God, you are the God who can do all things and is in all things and um, is, has authority over everywhere we walk. You go before us and you are within us working. And when you say that, you know, your, your word does not come back to you void. You're not calling us to make your word work. We're not called to do that. We're called to just trust you and trust that you are faithful to your word. So God, I pray that you would just increase our faith in you, God, increase our trust in you, God. And, and as we're doing that, God, um, that the, the things that, that distract our thoughts, the way that the enemy attacks us, that they become so small in your presence mm. and that we have the ability to just be present mm. to the needs of um, our neighbors, of our coworkers, that we have opportunities to hear the needs of um, your people all over the world and that we would hear how you're already moving and that we would be challenged and encouraged and heartbroken um, to just join in. God, having a relationship with you, um, knowing what the work that you've done through Jesus Christ and, and that you do in our lives every day just to dwell with us, God, that's a gift. 
And I pray that that's not a gift that we would um, want to keep to ourselves, but it's like every day we're reminded of the gift of the gospel. And and we just want to, like, we're kids who want to take this gift to show and tell at school. And we just want to run around and and share it with everyone we know. God, I pray that um, we would be transformed by your word. And that we would also challenge and equip each other as we learn more about how you're already moving in the world. And um, yeah, God, I pray that we would just know that this is not a work that, that you're, that we're obligated to do to win your favor, but that it just comes naturally from seeking you, God, Um, that it's just comes naturally from being transformed by your word. And I just pray that, um, we would be empowered by you and um, sent out knowing that you have equipped us, that you have given each one of us special skills. And I pray that we would just give them back to you as a living sacrifice every single day. Um, We're so grateful for this time. We're so grateful for all the work that you're doing um, in and through the Antioch partners. God, I know that my life has been transformed by the Adair's um, through their kids and, and just through knowing them. And I'm so excited for all the work you're going to continue to do through them and just all the ways that, um, seeds have been planted through them. God, I pray that, um, they would also just know that, um, you're doing a great work through them. And we pray that you would just bless the spreading of your kingdom. Um, and that they would continually to trust you and, and get to grow with you more and more. And we pray your blessings over this time and over everyone who hears it, God, we pray that when they say, God, what do you want me to hear? How do you want me to respond? That, that, that it would be so evident, your words, your whisper, your calling on them, God. Um, and we pray that you would bless that going as well. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us.